The Ear to Asia podcast is made available on the Jakarta Post platform under agreement between the Jakarta Post and the University of Melbourne. Hello, I'm Ali Moore. This is Ear to Asia. Let's talk about how will this new capital city bring the region to the fore. We should move on from this capital city as a new brand of the nation. That is one thing. But if the intention is to bring the periphery to the center of economic development, let's talk about the periphery. The only blueprint from the government side up to now is moving people to this new area. But economic development, the social aspect of the city, how to integrate with the community, with the city surrounding this area, how then to sustain the financial aspect is still not yet on the table. In this episode, the winners and losers in Indonesia's grand plans to create a new capital from scratch. Ear to Asia is the podcast from Asia Institute, the Asia Research Specialist at the University of Melbourne. In August 2019, Indonesian President Joko Widodo announced plans for a brand new national capital. It's not the first time a new capital has been mooted, but this time the president is determined. The chosen site is the once remote and still sparsely developed province of East Kalimantan on the island of Borneo, some 1,300 kilometres away from the current capital, Jakarta, which is labouring under increasing congestion and environmental problems. The new capital is slated to eventually be home to as many as 7 million people, 10 times the size of Washington, D.C., President Jokowi and the project's backers promise a green city featuring the best work in energy efficiency and environmentally friendly innovation. But, as is so often the case with hugely ambitious national projects anywhere, the devil may well be in the detail. How open and transparent a process has the selection and design of the new city been? What are the interests of the local people in East Kalimantan? And have they been listened to? Is national governance likely to get any better in a new capital? And who are likely to be the real winners in a project valued at tens of billions of US dollars in just its initial stages? Joining us to discuss the capital's move and its manifold implications are Dr Amanda Ahmadi from the Melbourne School of Design at the University of Melbourne, an expert on architecture and urbanism in Asia, and Dr Wawan Masudi, a lecturer in politics and government from Gajah Mada University in Indonesia. Welcome Amanda and welcome Wawan. Thank you. Thank you. Let's start with the very big question, will this actually happen, Wawan? It will happen soon, according to the government uh, plan. But for sure, there will be a lot of uh, things that still to be discussed, uh, not only in terms of the technical aspect, but also social and political thing. Something that really not seriously discussed in Indonesia at this moment. Yeah. So lots of challenges, but you think there will be a new capital? From my own perspective, it will, but will be a lot of challenge and will be not really clear who will lead this kind of a project because, you know, the government up to now not yet decided which minister, for example, who will lead the, the project. And also financing aspect is still a big problem. Social acceptance still a big question as well. Yeah, Lots of challenges that we'll explore. But Amanda, that big picture question, do you think it's going to happen? I think the question now is when and how. 
it will be realized. And the question how, I think, is far more important. For me, going through the process, the development of the whole idea of the capital cities and the participation, public participation in discussing the prospect of having a new capital city indicate that we already accept that we will have a new capital city. But what kind of capital city and what is the real objective? That is, for me, the key issues that we need to discuss and we need to interrogate Well, let's have a look at some of those key issues. But first, a little bit of history. I asked the question of whether this will actually happen because, well, one, when you look back in history, a new capital is not a new idea. Yeah, indeed. The new capital is not the new idea. The first idea is even started during the Sukarno era back in 1960s. Even at that time, Sukarno already invited the Russia as a kind of counterpart to help Indonesia to develop this new capital city, but not in East Kalimantan, in Palangkaraya, in central Kalimantan. And during the Suharto era, there was also a plan as well to move the city to a place called Jungle, not that far away from Jakarta. And by now, President Jokowi tried to make all this plan to be implemented, even though with all the challenges that I already mentioned before. So why did those earlier plans in the 60s under Sukarno and under Suharto, why did they fall by the wayside? First of all, before Sukarno realized his plan, the big regime changes happened in 1965. So that's why all planned and everything from Sukarno era, it's something bad uh, in the eyes of the new government at that time. Well, during the Suharto era, it seemed that some financial aspect uh, as well affected the, the plan. So that's when then the plan is just getting kind of delayed at that time. And after the Indonesia get a big blow because of economic crisis uh, in 1990s. We all know that about that one. There was no money? No money, no money. Money is really important to build something. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, one could say it is core. Amanda, how do you see today the driving force for Jokowi? I think Jokowi has created a path through his first term Mm -hmm. by focusing uh, the development of the country on uh, infrastructural development in regional Indonesia. So the reason why the idea of relocating the capital city gained some traction now is because he's already setting up that path. Mm -hmm. And in the last five to ten years, um, Indonesian population, Indonesian society are so used to this idea of developing a new satellite cities, this idea of creating a new urban environment. It's nothing like here in Australia where even when you want to densify a suburb, it's actually a very long process. In Indonesia, we're, we're quite used of it because population growth, urban expansion are so extensive. In their point of view, it's just going to be part of the new normal. And I think one of the driving force for Jokowi, I think it's also the response from the professional community, from the urban planner, urban design, architectural professional communities. They all respond to you know, his, when he declare his intention to move to capital city. And, and yeah. when he did that, what reasons did he give publicly? I mean, we all know how challenged Jakarta is, but what yeah. did he refer well, to? Well, the first announcement in his Twitter account, he identified that Jakarta couldn't uh, go on carrying the dual burden of being the financial centre and political centre of the nation. And secondly, and I think it's more importantly that we need to continue to follow up, is his intention to bring the regional Indonesia to the centre of the governance of the country. 
Well, when does it make sense, those reasons, I suppose the environmental reason and also the political reason? And from an environmental perspective, you'd have to move a lot of people, wouldn't you, to reduce the pressure on Jakarta? And is that what it's about? Or is it more about future expansion, trying to contain Jakarta at the point it's at now? As long as I know, or from the government perspective, is how to develop something symbolic for the future of Indonesia. So that's why all the discourse, all the idea behind this new capital is not only kind of a capital as a symbolic city of the nation, but also kind of a leapfrogging in the nation. So that's why all plan is talking about the smart city. It's about how to build the city in a more environmentally friendly, to make sure that the city will be kind of center for all the best Indonesian people to be there, something like that. That's the discourse from government, even though for sure from the more critical perspective, it's something doesn't make any sense, given the situation of the Indonesian current for example, population structure or something like that. For me, it's still important to see this new capital as a symbol of what exactly Indonesia is. So, and the question mm-hmm. is, who's going to form it's, the answer to that question? Yeah, exactly. Is it going to be answered by you know, uh, people at the elite level or whether it will take into consideration the voice of regional it, Indonesia? Indeed, that's the real problem. Who exactly behind all this plan? It's coming from the technocratic side. I mean, by technocratic side, it's professional using the Amanda language or it's also involving the people. Not only the people uh, in this area, in East Kalimantan, but the people in Indonesia as a general. Because, you know, as an idea, this is still very elitist idea. And the public in general don't know yet what exactly in the plan and how the city will be, will be built, who will be there, except only, okay, all the public officials must move over there. Uh, every, so, so all the all mm. the arms of government are meant yes, to be uh, moving. I mean, can yes. we just before we look at mm. uh, what it means for the people of Kalimantan, which is so essential and indeed the process? Amanda, what's the plan as it stands? Wawan has referred to the fact that we actually don't know a huge amount, mm. but how far is that development process? Towards the end of 2019, the Ministry of Public Work and Public Housing uh, hosted this national open competition for conceptual master plan of the new capital city. And the competition was publicized, widely publicized. There's a website accessible for everyone. There are specific terms of reference. There's around 750 original uh, participants in the competition. And the final entries were around 290. And from that 290 ideas, five schemes have been chosen as the best. So they've already announced the winner of that competition. This is a conceptual master plan. And I think we can discuss, you know, what is that competition trying to achieve? And I think we need to evaluate the outcome of that competition within the ambition set by that design competition. And there's a lot that we can discuss there. Well, if you've got five winners, what's the idea that each will be the overlay for a particular part of the city? Or Uh, Apparently, there's no commitment whether the best three schemes will be realised. What I read on the announcement is that the three winners of that competition will work together. So the best part of each schemes will be taken into consideration. And only yesterday, I read that the government, another ministry, will host a different competition is going to be an international design competition again for the design of the capital city. So I think they are still formulating what they want 
to see as the model or as a plan. But the process, in a sense, have been made quite public. At the same time, how much are we able to unpick the outcome is remained to be seen. And we, we do need to kind of really critically analyze those design ideas, what that actually means. And I guess in terms, just in terms of timeline, yeah. uh, I understood that building was meant to start in 2020 and the first bureaucrats would move there in 2024. Yeah. Yeah. It seems rather ambitious. Yeah. I mean, of course, that will mark the end of Jokowi's second and final yeah. term. But that seems rather ambitious if the design's not actually ready. From my perspective, government building is easy thing. I mean, as long as you have money, you have land, then you can build something. Even forcing the people, especially the government people, into this new area will be very easy because, you know, there will be incentive and disincentive over there. If you don't want to move, then you have to get retired or something like that. But for me, the question is not in that sense only, but also the acceptance of this all new plan in the perspective of Indonesian people and also for the East Kalimantan people. You know, all aspects of design, all aspects of competition, how to develop the city, for me, it's still something very professional, something very... It's only, the architects, the uh, urban yes, planners, on, the Only designers. few people it's an imagination. who understand. Imagination. But in general, how then people in Indonesia, for example, do you think this new capital will be something mm. that makes you proud of a nation or not? It will be different. Or, or make you feel like you're part yes, of the nation. Uh, make, it's your own city. It's, it will be something in a big question. So that's why for me, having kind of a public competition is one thing. But to make sure that this idea itself are getting deliberated to all people in Indonesia. Not just mm. all people in mm. Indonesia, but the people of Kalimantan, of Kalimantan itself. Even. Yeah. Can we just backtrack for, mm. for a minute, Amanda, mm-hmm. and why this mm-hmm. particular site, given that Java is actually home to, I think, 60% of the Indonesian population, why this site? I think one of the considerations is the fact that there is much lower risk for natural disaster to occur in Kalimantan. Java has how many active volcanoes we have. Earthquake. Uh, earthquake. Flooding. And now um, overdevelopment of the region, which lead to this chronic flooding occurrence. Kalimantan is much more stable geologically. And of course, it's less populated, very low population density. In a sense, there is room to move there. And, and indeed, the chosen site is currently forest, is yeah, that correct? The majority of the two regencies, the uh, Panajam uh, Pasir, Utara. Pasir Utara and uh, Kutai Kartanegara. Kutai Kartanegara is um, part of Kutai Kartanegara. Yeah, um, I think the majority of the area is either natural forest or industrial plantation forests. I think the area is almost 10 times the size of Jakarta. 10 times, uh, yeah. And with a population of around 150 to 200,000. So uh, you have a room to move, in a sense, in this new location. And are the people who are currently there, is their voice being heard? Last year, in December, Jokowi had a meeting with uh, some key person in East Kalimantan. For sure, this key person is coming from the elite community leaders or something like that. And uh, during the discussion, they all agree if the new capital will be built in this area, simply because of we'll give 
something new in this area. But in terms of population in general, I think it's still a big question. Even though it seems that there is some enthusiasm as well over there, but what the impact of this new capital city to their life, it is not something come up in the public discussion. So already some kind of a discussion between Jokowi and the central government with the people in Kalimantan. But up to now, as long as I know, it's more on the elite and leadership level. How these leaders then communicate all these things to members of community is still something that we don't know yet. Will it be a positive for the local community? Or I mean, I, I understand there are also huge <laughs> environmental challenges. Oh, yes. But first of all, from mm. the point of view of jobs, for example. Yep. <laughs> if I go back to this design competition that was completed end of last year, if you see the three criteria set up in that competition, there's little space for any design schemes to address the actual local issues, local problems. There's not enough opportunity to identify what is the problem, what is the real problem of East Kalimantan? How can a new capital city actually improve their living conditions? So there are three design criteria to reflect the national identity, to ensure sustainability in terms of environmental, social, and economy, and to create smart cities. All these remain very abstract if it's not contextualized. And if you see the design schemes, There is no contextualization beyond an identification of geographical profile of the site. There's no recognition of the existence of local economy, social mobility, and I don't hear the voice of the local in those designs. It's a creation of a city for this new population, 1.5 million population. My question is, where will the local sit? in this city? How are they going to be positioned yep. in this new built environment? Because they will come, oh, yes. whether they're invited exactly. or not. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, yes. and then we want yeah. to avoid marginalising mm. the local population further by this new you know, urban yep. population that will come from Java. So is there an imperative on the government to have those discussions or not? I mean, who, who owns this land at the moment? This is government land. It's a forest and also some industrial forests. That means officially owned by the state. Mm-hmm. So there will be no issue of, for example, the eviction or something like that. So they don't need mm-hmm. to negotiate with yeah, the landholders. In, the, in, the, in, the, in mm-hmm. that sense, there will be no negotiation. The problem is then how to integrate this new area of capital city with other cities surrounding this area, including Balikpapan, Samarinda, and also some small villages uh, over there. Because this is not really empty land, already some community living there, even Mm -hmm. though not uh, that many, as Amanda said. And when we were talking earlier about the size of this new city, and I said in the introduction as many as 7 million people, well, one is the plan that the bureaucrats move, but also business will follow? Because that hasn't always happened when you look at previous countries that have built, I mean, Australia, for example, we have Canberra, which is certainly not a business hub. You've got Nepador in Myanmar, and there are other examples. The only blueprint from the government side up to now is moving these bureaucrat people to this new area. But how then the blueprint on the economic development, the social aspect of the city, how to integrate with the community, with the city surrounding this area, and the blueprint on how then to sustain this city in terms of the financial aspect or even in other aspects of environment is still not yet uh, on the table, as long as I know. Maybe there are already some discussion, but a very kind of hidden discussion or secret uh, mm. policy process. But 
And in fact, Amanda, you've Mm. made the point Mm. elsewhere that uh, Canberra to Sydney in the Australian Mm -hmm. context is a one-hour flight. It's quite easy to be in front of the bureaucrats. It won't be so easy with Indonesia. Uh, Jakarta to Kalimantan will be, what, a three, three three-and-a-half-hour flight? Yes, about four hours flight. And I think it's even more challenging to move from the more immediate Mm -hmm. surrounding region because there's basic infrastructure such as road um, are very limited and connection to the surrounding Sulawesi Mm -hmm. island is also quite limited. So in terms of mobility within the region, um, it's quite challenging. You're listening to Ear to Asia from Asia Institute at the University of Melbourne. I'm Ali Moore and I'm joined by Dr. Wawan Masudi of Gajah Mada University and Dr. Amanda Akmadi of the Melbourne School of Design. We're talking about Indonesia's grand plans for a new capital city and the questions that those plans raise. Amanda, you sort of pointed to this in your previous answers, but the fact that this new capital is being envisioned as an entirely new entity Do you see that as the core problem, that there's no urban or cultural or historical context to it? It's going to be slammed down in the middle of a forest. Yep. And that seems to me is is contradicting that second objective that Jokowi declared when he first announced this plan. It's about bringing the region, the periphery, to the centre. And I think a genuine consideration of what kind of city this new capital is going to be should build on the existing social and economic realities. And the question is, we have a city of Balikpapan and Samarinda. Both cities have a population of around 600,000. And think about having a new capital thoroughly new entity with a specific border around it nearby in between these two existing regional cities with a much larger population. My question is, how will this impact the operation of these regional cities? Will it weaken? Will it turn these cities into degenerating urban settlements because there is a new, more powerful, with stronger infrastructure, then population will leave this town. Or it could go the other way. Yep. It could become simply part of the urban sprawl mm-hmm. of yes. the new capital. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. If we're thinking about sustainable development, building a new cities, this is perhaps the most energy-consuming type of production. We need to think about what is it new that we need to bring into this region instead of ignoring what is already there and instead of weakening the existing condition. And any livable cities in the world grow through times. If you create a city as if it is done in the space of five years, there are so many precedents in history such as Brasilia. It is not the most livable city in the world and it's not the most loved city within their immediate yep. cultural context. So do you fear that the time frame is simply unrealistic? I mean, there seems to be this imperative to at least get some fairly solid starting blocks down under Jokowi. Can it be done given where they're up to in the planning process? New satellite town constructed throughout Java in a space mm-hmm. of two, three years with capacity of around 500,000 inhabitants. Inhabitants. Um, So it can be done. Yeah, it can be done and it can be done in a variety of ways. So which way is going to be for the new capital Mm -hmm. city is the big question. Any planning of a city should start with problem statement. Planning of city is trying to solve existing problem. At the moment, I think the weighting of creation of the capital city as a symbolical capital, as a new branding of the nation, 
outweigh the consideration of how do we solve, you know, social environmental problem in East Kalimantan. Do you agree with that, Wawan, that there needs to be more of that? First of all, outside Java, Kalimantan is one of the most cosmopolitan provinces in terms of the structure of population. 60% population in East Kalimantan, actually the Javanese background, is coming from Java. The rest is from Banjar, uh, also from Sulawesi, and the rest of Indonesia. So, I mean, it's already kind of a plural provinces in terms of the Indonesian structure of a society. So, I mean, by saying this, this new capital city will also, or should also, accommodate this plurality of the people as well. With the Which actually goes background. to the heart of one of the reasons, reflection mm-hmm. of national identity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. how clear is the Indonesian yeah. national identity? Yeah. It's something still in in the process of the building of the identity itself. But, you it's know, an unfinished project. Unfinished project. People say it's unfinished project. But the most important thing is the cities should accommodate the plurality, not only in terms of the ethnic background, but also in the way of life of the people. And this is something that seem missing yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah. The mm. detail, Amanda, the is, is mm. what's missing. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. The other part of this, of course, is the environmental part. This is a region where, in fact, one of the very few in the world where mm. orangutans still live in their natural habitat. Yeah. How much concern and how much attention is being paid to the environmental impacts? That's why we should interrogate further what it means that the new city promotes sustainable development. I think East Kalimantan is a region that has suffered a lot. We know very little of it, but it doesn't mean that it hasn't suffered a lot yeah. the last 50 years of exploitation of natural resources. Yeah, such especially as for the coal. Coal uh, mining, mining yeah. oil, drilling, oil drilling, and then palm oil plantation. Yeah, palm so sun. in a mm-hmm. sense that the environmental, the natural landscape has been transformed quite significantly. And most of the unique fauna in this region, such as what you said, orangutan, but also pasut. This is the pasut, typical yeah. dolphin. Uh, river dolphin and then also flora uh, mm-hmm. has been significantly impacted by the development that has occurred there. And imagine a city of 1.5 or up to mm-hmm. 7 million people is a major conversion of the land of even the land. further. Yep, yep. How will it impact the Mahakam River stream, which is just north of the site? How will it impact the water system? This is a very complex and you need to go into detail what it means to build a sustainable city in mm. that context. I know there's lots of, certainly lots of slogans. Yeah. I, I yeah. read a couple yes. of them out in the introduction. I uh-huh. mean, is there a commitment by one to do these sorts of environmental studies? I'm not sure. Uh, is there any sustainable studies of this kind of thing? But one of the plans that is tried to put in the plan how the city then will provide the water for the community. It's still something to be discussed. You know, Kalimantan has a specific environment issue with regard to the pitland area. By pitland, that means the quality of water is not as good as, for example, in Java. You need to do something in order to make the water consumable, for example. So it's another issue. So how do they provide water for a new city of millions of people? It's just a very simple question. How you provide water from where the water can come? Very basic question, yeah. With no doubt a very complicated answer. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's go to that issue that we raised at the beginning of the conversation that really is, I guess, in many ways, the bottom line. Mm. Money. Well, one, you can't <laughs> build it if you haven't got the money. And Jacoby himself says that moving the capital will cost 466 trillion rupee, around 32, 33 billion dollars. Where is that coming from? 
the government will only pay or will only provide for the development of the government complex. That means the building for the ministerial office, the building for the House of Representatives and also including for sure for the palace of the president will coming from the government side. So that's about 20%? Yes, only that. about 20 That's still a lot of money for the government to yeah, find. Yeah, indeed. That's still a lot of money. So that's why the government need to find from where this money come from, including to kind of selling some asset in Jakarta and also other places of Indonesia owned by the government in order to finance this one. And by selling this asset, that's mean, you know, who can buy this asset? Only the big capital. The financing aspect from the government itself, it's uh, already a big question. But when we come to other zone of the city, for example, in the business district, or even the basic services for the education or something else, or even how to provide the transportation system, I think it will not coming from the government. Yes, so yes. that's why... That so the, they're relying on foreign investors. Mm-hmm. So that's why Jokowi invite, for example, the investor from UAR, uh, the Crown the United Prince Arab of uh, Emirates, yeah, U- yeah. United Emirates Arab, as a kind of uh, advisor uh, of this new capital city. So that's why Jokowi invite the SoftBank manager uh, to Indonesia as part of the advisor. So that's why president invited Tony Blair in order to convince the international community to come to Indonesia and to invest some money in this area. And mm. Amanda, is there any sense of whether that money will be forthcoming? I mean, is a new capital a bankable mm. project from the point of view of other national investors? I'm not sure I'm the right person to answer that question. My concern is if 80% of the, of the, the budget, the budget or, um, coming from the private sector, from foreign investor, what is the prospect of public interest in all that? Of the public having a voice? Yes. Yes. If the government will only allocate public funding for the governmental building and complex, then the rest of the city will be determined by the investor. Yeah, by by they who having this money for sure. Uh, As long as I know, the government will launch a scheme kind of a PPP, a public-private partnership. partnership. Yes. Uh, So... uh, could be a BOT, building operation and transfer to the government. But, you know, it will be kind of a long-term contract as well, not only five years or 10 years. It could be 30 years or even more. And after 30 years, that means the city need to be renewed again in mm-hmm. so many aspects. So, mm-hmm. still. And we need to learn from mm-hmm. experience of any cities in the mm-hmm. world where new urban development relies so much on private enterprises because at the end of the day their interest is quite different from the interest of the public. Oh, For sure, for sure. So that then Mm. raises the question of governance I guess and I mean it's no secret that when you've got major projects in a country like Indonesia you've often got lack of transparency, you've got issues of corruption, you've got issues of delay. Is there any confidence in Indonesia that this project is going to be any different And indeed, can you have confidence when there are so many unknowns, as you've both been referring to? Amanda? When uh, Jokowi first announced the idea, I do think the whole possibilities of having a centre of the government outside Java is is a noble conversation to have. um, And a good conversation to have. A good conversation to have. Whether it's going to happen, basic infrastructure development is going to start, I think, in second half of 2020. Yes, second half of 2020. Um, and it has to start somewhere to start engaging and bringing economic activities to the region. Um, but they have to avoid the mistakes that have been made yes. with cities like Jakarta, don't yes, they? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So where the lessons have been learned 
one of the most stubborn issues of Jakarta is inability to deal with water and its inability to deal with population growth. Yep. So the city is sinking because people rely on Under underground water. Yeah. Uh, underground water. Yeah. And the master plan, the conceptual design ideas coming out of that competition, I don't think it offer further thinking of how will we deal with this issue. So I have doubt where the lessons have been learned. So what do Indonesians think of this plan? I mean, you've talked about a broad acceptance, but is it because it's more an idea at the moment than a reality? What's the general... You know, the question during the survey, for example, is only something very shallow. Do you agree or do you know the plan of the city? Do you agree uh, if we have this new capital as a new brand of the nation? And for sure, people will say, oh yeah, that will be good for the nation. But people again don't have any sufficient knowledge in order to give their opinion there is no serious deliberative process in order to make all the people understand what exactly this plan is about and what is the benefit for the nation in the in the future so that's why then the people just say, okay, this will be a good thing, but they don't know why it's good or why it's bad. And, and um. Amanda, do you think that's likely to change once there is more detail, once the um. amount of money is more obvious? When there is more money, I find that it becomes more dangerous because then if money is there, then we will go full speed in the production of the capital city as urban spectacle. I think the most important is to have a critical discussion, to really ask what it actually yep. means, who is involved, yes. on whose behalf. Mm. And the question is, what is common in Indonesia is population migration between mm-hmm. regions. The new capital city, however it will be, will trigger movement of people from yep. the region into that because the development in Indonesia is not equally Equal, spread yeah. throughout. And then this is the issues of any cities in Java is how do we deal with rural urban migrations which will outpace mm-hmm. master planning, formal development of a city. It will outpace immediately. Infrastructure development will always be outpaced with the As amount As we said, of they'll come whether they're yeah. invited yes. or not. Are you optimistic those conversations, if they're not being held now, that they will be held? Yes, I think if we continue to engage the government and all the uh, professional communities involved with the second objective that Jokowi himself has declared, let's talk about how will this new capital mm-hmm. city bring the region to the fore. You know, we should move on from uh, this capital city as a new brand of the nation. That is one thing. But if the intention is to bring the periphery to the center of economic development, let's talk about the periphery. Who are they? What is their aspiration? What is it that they need? And how do we design a capital yeah. for them mm-hmm. as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the risk, do you think, that given the complexities, given this is Jokowi's baby and he only has until 2024, mm-hmm. what risk that the next president will walk away, as has happened in the past. Yeah, for sure. There is a lot of infrastructure development in Indonesia that ended in a failed situation. I mean, it is not completely developed. And then after that, they the start, new government, they yeah, they start, but not finish. Like Hambalang and also so many projects in the regional part of Indonesia. In that sense, why then Jokowi always saying that the first move to this new capital must 
occur before his term 2024 just to make sure that this project is finished even though for sure it will unfinished project even after Jokowi finish his term learning from Canberra for example need more than 50-60 years learning from Brasilia more than 70 years so I myself not really optimistic that the city will be so perfect just in the coming five years or even uh, ten years. Will be a lot of problem there. First move maybe will be implemented before 2024, but to be kind of an effective city, in the full operated city as a symbol of the nation, maybe need more time than that. Amanda, if we are able to improve our understanding mm. of the social capital in East Kalimantan. If we are able to use this opportunity to understand what is going on in regional Indonesia mm. all this time, the whole exercise of let's design a new capital city will be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the national principle of Indonesia, the Pancasila, mm-hmm. the fifth first, first yeah. um, is social justice. Social justice, yeah. And I think. If we really truly want to achieve that stage, we do need to engage with regional Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And I think if Joko is consistent with that goal, it's a pathway towards a more equitable mm-hmm. Indonesia. Yep. Yep, hopefully. <laughs> I, I know this is a. I would love to have this conversation with you both again. In fact, we could do it annually for the next 20 to 30 years. Oh, yes, oh, we'll the yeah. development of this new city. Thank you so much for talking to Ear to Asia, and thank you so much for your insights, Amanda and Rowan. My thank pleasure. You very much. Thank My you. Pleasure, Our guests have been Dr. Amanda Ahmadi of the Melbourne School of Design at the University of Melbourne, and Dr. Wawan Masudi of Gajah Mada University in Yogyakarta, Indonesia. Ear to Asia is brought to you by Asia Institute. You can find more information about this and all our other episodes at the Asia Institute website. Be sure to keep up with every episode of Ear to Asia by following us on the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, or SoundCloud. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show, and of course, let your friends know about us on social media. This episode was recorded on the 5th of March, 2020. Producers were Eric Van Bemmel and Kelvin Parham of Profactual.com. Ear to Asia is licensed under Creative Commons, copyright 2020, the University of Melbourne. I'm Ali Moore. Thanks for your company.